Good morning, Bucknutters. It is Thursday, October 3rd, 2019. I am Dan Rubin. This is the Bucknuts Morning 5 and Change. Thursday means one thing. The lovely and talented Steve Wolfong, Director of Recruiting for 24-7 Sports. Steve, how goes it? Good morning, Daniel. Going well. Uh, We are getting to fall weather here in the Indianapolis area, sending it down I-70 through Dayton en route to Columbus. I liked it when it was hot, though, but I like fall weather, too. We live in the Midwest because we like the four seasons, most of us, and so I'm ready to embrace fall. And uh, all is well. How about you, brother? The beauty of Dayton is you can experience all four seasons in one week in the fall. We were in the 90s earlier in the week. We'll be down in the 60s later. We'll all get sick. But it's football weather. Just down the road, Michigan State comes calling on Saturday night. I said night. Night game in the shoe. You know that means one thing. It's going to be a huge recruiting weekend. Relatively high-profile opponent. Time to get all the recruits here, and the list of people coming is truly spectacular. It is a who's who of 2020 commitments, targets, 2021 targets and commitments. However, we must deal with the news of the hour. Ryan Watts, Little Elm, Texas defensive back, was committed to Oklahoma, took an official visit to Ohio State for the Miami game. Obviously, he liked what he saw. He has since decommitted just an overflow of crystal balls on Ryan Watts to the Ohio State Buckeyes. You were the one who wrote the story and brought it to the people. Give us some details. Yeah, terrific framed cornerback from the Lone Star State with uh, with, uh, good speed. A lot to be developed from a strength and conditioning uh, aspect here. So uh, a a prospect in the secondary that brings – uh, that upside you're looking for at that position, athletic, long, and, and potentially big and, and versatile. Uh, he's a guy that Ohio State would love to add to this class. Uh, took his official visit for the Miami-Ohio game. There was buzz back in the spring and summer that he wasn't going to stick with with Oklahoma, uh, um, and it has finally come to fruition. Um, he was supposed to go to Penn State's wideout in a couple weeks for the Michigan game. He's no longer going to make that trip because of a family uh, situation. I'm not sure if Penn State's going to get rescheduled or not, but as it stands now, from the horse's mouth, Ryan Watts told me Ohio State's in the driver's seat. So it was an easy crystal ball forecast to flip from Oklahoma to Ohio State upon his decommitment from the Sooners, Ohio State, with the number three recruiting class. According to the 24-7 Sports Composite, a few spots left. Looks like they could get hot here in the near future. In your article, just want to go back over this, he does mention that Penn State is still in the mix. But like you said, when visits get canceled and such, despite legitimate reason, I tend to feel like it means a commitment is coming. Do you feel the same way? I think that this reason, the reason why his official visit got canceled to Penn State is super legit. Um, I just don't – Ohio State for sure leads. Penn State would have to gain ground. Could he just opt – could he just ultimately decide, yeah, I, I like Ohio State. I'm going to just commit now. Uh, sure, I, you never rule that out when there's a clear leader. Um, but I don't know if he has like a – in his mind, if he's like got a decision timeline for the near future. Anytime there's a crystal ball run of that nature, though, despite what people think of the crystal ball – it does tend to mean that player is headed for where the crystal balls say, and it is an overflow down there. 
how could anyone not like the crystal ball? It's like an awesome user tool where a, where a user can come to the site and see where Bill Green or Bill Kierlich or myself or whoever they choose to follow his pick is for a young man that day. And yes, we changed the picks. Uh, but you come to the you come to 24/7 Sports on Thursday and you see that we think Ryan Watts is going to Ohio State. You see, we even have users that don't work at 24/7 Sports that you may trust that are making picks. And you know where they think a young man is going on this day. So it's an amazing product, and uh, and uh, uh, people should love it. Good time is had by all. Let's hope the same could be said this weekend for Tyler Barron, the nation's number three strong side defensive end, according to 24-7 Sports Composite from Knoxville Catholic in Tennessee. We'll be making a visit this weekend. You did a story about him earlier in the week. His father is on the staff at Tennessee. To me, that should mean he knows exactly where his son should go, and it means not Tennessee. I wrote on the boards the other day, if his dad can't see that Larry Johnson is the guy to send his son to to maximize his future, he's doing him a disservice. Give me your update on Tyler Barron, and where do you think this is going to work out, or how? Well, I think Ohio State's legit in this one and has a great chance to land the top 247 defensive lineman who you can watch on national television tonight uh, on ESPNU, uh, him and his uh, Knoxville Catholic teammates, um, I believe they play Brentwood Academy, um, they're, or Ravenwood, excuse me. They take on Ravenwood tonight, uh, Reggie Grimes and company, um, a Tennessee tilt uh, on national television. But it depends on who you talk to. I mean, I've talked to some people that believe this is Tennessee all the way. And then um, I've talked to others that say that there's people in the family that don't want them to go to Tennessee and and that um, Ohio State and Kentucky were in the best shape. And Ohio State hasn't lost a recruiting battle to Kentucky for anyone that they've wanted uh, in recent memory. Uh, Maybe I overlooked for a kid that's not from the state of Kentucky. You know, I think that Ohio State would have took a kid from Tennessee. Uh, if, the, if you're looking at a head-to-head Ohio State, Kentucky, no disrespect to Kentucky, but obviously Ohio State's on a, a different level when it comes to recruiting. So we'll see. Uh, I, I, mean, I, I think that Tyler Barron's going to end up at Ohio State or Tennessee as the chips stack on the table right now. He also has Oregon and Oklahoma in his final five. We'll see how it goes this weekend, but the Buckeyes are in a good spot coming in. Have you seen Barron in person, and what type of prospect is he? Is he a rush defensive end that you see as a double-digit sack guy in the future type? I saw Tyler Barron at the uh, opening regional in Nashville, uh, six foot five, two hundred fifty-two pounds. Uh, has a big, he's a big frame, thick, uh, physical uh, defensive lineman that I think can do a lot of things. I think that you can play him on the edge on. Uh, um, run downs, move them inside, and, and get a little bit of a pass rush presence uh, on third down from the interior. Um, he's got really good feet. I mean, he moves well laterally, um, and uh, so there's a there's a lot of upside with Tyler Barron and the way he moves and, and his size. We're going to step away for a quick commercial break. Come back with some chatter on a quarterback who'll be in town. As promised, we are back. C.J. Stroud, class of 2020 from Rancho Cucamonga in California. He won the Elite 11. He will be making an unofficial visit this weekend, and it has been determined that Ohio State wants to take two quarterbacks in the class. Jack Miller has been informed. He's still on board. 
Do you think the second quarterback in the class will be C.J. Stroud? I think that they have a good chance uh, to land C.J. Stroud, and I think that's the most pivotal recruit left for Ohio State uh, as they um, try and wrap up this 2020 class because I think that they need a difference maker at the quarterback position, and I'm not sure that Jack Miller is that guy on the next level. Um, I Just to kind of rewind a little bit, I remember coming on here and, and saying that I thought Tate Martell um, – was a five-star high school player, but I thought he was a three-star recruit. I said a lot of times on the Bucknuts Morning Five, I just didn't project him out to be a draft pick uh, based on a lot of things. And I'm just not sure that Jack Miller is a future draft pick either. Um, Hasn't completed 60% of his passes in his high school career. Um, Not that I'm saying he's a bad prospect or a bad take. Uh, I certainly understand why he was he was heavily recruited, but we're talking about Ohio State, where you're trying to beat Alabama and Ohio State, or excuse me, you're trying to beat Alabama and Clemson and the LSU's uh, for the crystal ball. And uh, I think that when you look at Ohio State's depth chart, uh, they need a second quarterback in this class. And I think that C.J. Stroud is an interesting, high upside guy as well. And and I think that you would get a lot having both those guys in the same class competing with each other uh, and they would elevate each other's game and, and may the best man win from that class uh, to come in and, and push that room behind Justin Fields. And so I think that's a, this is a pivotal visit, uh, unofficial visit uh, as Kierlich reported, uh, which means that obviously you get a chance to get them back uh, for another visit. And I think that, uh, uh, talking to my colleagues around the network um, and I kind of forget which one said it, Brandon Huffman or Greg Biggins. Um, but but they were one of them was hearing some really good uh, Ohio State buzz. Uh, at the opening finals, CJ himself told me that uh, Ohio State and Oregon were, were dream school offers for him. Uh, there was at some point some buzz that he didn't want to be part of a two-quarterback class. I don't think that that's necessarily an issue at this point. Shroud's having a really good uh, senior year. He completed 60% of his passes as a junior. He's up to 67% this year, 22 touchdowns, uh, only four picks. Obviously, he won the Elite 11 finals, um, Was showed all the traits as a terrific thrower on air, and that's translating um, to the field so far this fall with that high completion percentage uh, at Rancho Cucamonga High. So uh, I think this is a pivotal guy uh, for Ohio State. Uh, as they continue to maintain a roster that's championship level. I would encourage everybody to go to the site now and check out Bill Curlick's running list of recruits. Just so you know, here's who's coming on an official visit. Just listen to some of these names. Julian Fleming, Kyle McCord, G. Scott Jr., Jackson Smith, Najigba, Paris Johnson, Darion Henry, Jack Sawyer, Najee Story, Damon Payne. Legend Cavazos, Cameron Martinez. I mean, this is good. And I had to skip a bunch of names there in the interest of time. Let's talk about, because this is the Bucknuts Morning Five, it is the class of 2020. We would be remiss if we did not hit running back recruiting. The guy I would like to see them add as their main, let's say, halfback tailback in the class, Texas running back Cavante Bradford will be making an official visit this weekend. Is he on commitment watch? Bring us up to speed. 
Well, I just know our insider down in the Lone Star State, Gabe Brooks, has Bradford committed or has him uh, crystal ball to Ohio State. So obviously the Buckeyes are going to come into this trip in a really good position. Um, they seem to be in a good spot for a few running backs right now. I'm not sure Ohio State takes two anymore. Uh, I think they may just take one. So um, you have Bradford coming in this weekend. Mayan Williams is starting to trend towards uh, Ohio State on the 24-7 sports crystal ball as well with Alan True and Bill Bank Green. Um, so it'll be interesting to see uh, how this, this shakes out. Um, it seems that Ohio State's in a really good position for both of those guys. Okay, he will not be here this weekend, but Friday night, Buckeye target Jacoby Cowan has a game. He's expected to make his announcement at some point on Friday. Do you expect Jacoby Cowan to be the next Buckeye commitment? I do. That's where my crystal ball is at. Unless someone announces a commitment before tomorrow that we're not expecting, I like Ohio State's chances for Jacoby Cowan. Uh, Larry Johnson, this is a young man uh, Larry Johnson wants in the class. Uh, his only official visit was to Ohio State. Um, he's mentioned some other schools as a finalist alongside Ohio State that I think have either filled up or are pushing for other targets. Uh, so when you follow the visits and you follow the timing of the decision, it all stacks up for Ohio State. Yeah, this is a Larry Johnson confidence pick. Cowan wants to be played at defensive end. He looks to me like a guy that's going to grow out of that position. And also from the tape, I'm not sure about his motor. That said, Larry Johnson knows defensive linemen a little bit better than me. And if he wants him, I'm all with Larry. There's a lot of defensive linemen that don't have great motors in high school, either because they're yep. just not in great shape or, or what have you. But you get into a culture uh, like the one Ohio State has where the players – uh, kind of lead it in a way. I mean, obviously, you have Mickey Marotti and Ryan Day and all them. Uh, uh, but the players, uh, the pressure that the players put on each other to be great and uh, um, they push each other, uh, I think that uh, Jacoby Cowan is a guy that, uh, if he picks Ohio State like we expect, really has a chance to flourish uh, at his ceiling has a has a great chance to hit his ceiling as a prospect because he's going into a program where uh, not only are the coaches going to ask a lot of him but so are his peers and uh, um, you either maintain or you just uh, it's not for you and, and for the most part Ohio State's recruits recruits guys that, that fit their culture and uh, um, that's why we don't see a lot of Ohio State guys leaving the program. This is a tangential point, but your point on culture is a good one, and the greatest example ever is going to be Dwayne Haskins, who came to Ohio State and was helped along by one of the best structures football-wise on earth and has now gone to one of the worst football organizations on earth in the Washington Redskins, and we're seeing the results as we go. Let's hope it doesn't damage his career long term. It's not the Joe Gibbs days anymore of my youth with Mark Rippin slinging it around to Art Monk and Glary, Gary Clark handing it to Ernest Biner with the Hogs in front. It's the Redskins aren't that anymore. Dan, getting off script here. I know you hate getting off script, but how many Ohio State players do you think would benefit off their likeness right now? I just find the the conversation interesting. I feel like Ohio State has a lot of guys that are pretty marketable in Columbus and then maybe a couple guys potentially nationally. I think you would see people already lining up to get Chase Young on their payroll in some capacity from a national standpoint, uh, an Adidas or a Nike or an Under Armour, of course. Um, but even like a, 
I could see a guy like Jordan Fuller doing a lot of local spots in Columbus, you know, uh, and all those guys. I wonder if uh, I wonder if like the race for draft pick, like you know, th- there's so many draft picks on Ohio State's team, getting these guys sponsored by shoe companies and and, and things like that in college. Um, I wonder uh, how that's going to go. Yeah, for football players, the endorsement contracts are good. I don't think it's like basketball in the, in the shoe contracts. This could be super advantageous for Ohio State because the school is really the financial engine for the city and the state. Columbus is the most financially solvent city in the state, and it always is. So I could see a ton of businesses, your used car salesmen, your restaurants and stuff. I mean, Ohio State is a place where offensive linemen are recognized by face, which is different. The rich get richer, the strong get stronger. Any of the things they describe, rule changes, I don't think any of them hurt Ohio State. If anything, I think it helps them. Sure. I, I just, uh, I'm interested in, I, I want this rule to pass more than anything because some of these young men are not as famous as they think they are. You know what I mean? And so I just want it to even out. Like there, you see a lot of, you see a lot of people saying that they're being taken advantage of when they're one of the lucky ones, you know, like now if you go to Clemson and there's an 18, a number 18 Jersey being sold in the gift shop, my gosh, we all know who that's Trevor Lawrence's Jersey you're selling in the gift shop, man. I mean, like let's, Trevor Lawrence should get some money for that. You know what I mean? Like you're selling his likeness. Now I understand that you've also given him a platform, but he is also helping you as well and should be compensated for it. And in, in all walks of life, there's always someone at the top that's making more, but, but Trevor Lawrence in the, is worth more at Clemson than, than a lot of his teammates, obviously. And, and such is the same at Ohio state where a lot of the roster, I think the scholarship and the perks of playing for Ohio State is correct, um, correct compensation with their stipend and their lo- their terrific lodging and their uh, terrific meals and their uh, strength and conditioning and the academic support and everything that they get. But there are people that are, are, are uh, more famous than others, you know, that – when you see Ohio State play, taking on Michigan State tonight and Justin Fields is being marketed as a marquee player for that game, there's, I think there needs to be some kind of collective bargaining with the TV deal and the players. Um, I don't know how you do all that. I'm not smart enough to figure that out. But uh, that's just, I, 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 think this is a, I think this is a good thing, um, but I think it will also prove that the scholarship is, is correct for more than half your roster. In terms of the overall power structure, I don't see it making much of a difference whatsoever. Once again, it's good to be Ohio State. Whatever changes are made, I think fans should rest assured they'll be at the front of it, taking advantage of it, and dominating. That's just the way it goes. That's how college football works. It's not a meritocracy. This isn't the NFL. There's no salary cap. The draft, we've had the draft. It's called recruiting. You know who's going to be good for the next four years. Once again, why I don't understand people pick Michigan over Ohio State, but we have digressed. Thoroughly, let's finish up with this. Ohio State is a three-touchdown favorite over Michigan State this weekend. Do you think they'll cover? Oh, man. I mean, they typically play Ohio State well. Indiana really exposed Michigan State on defense, I think, on last Saturday. Indiana's got a really nice new offensive coordinator, Kalen DeBoer, that they hired away from Fresno State. Fresno State won 11 games last year. They had a veteran football team. 
and obviously Ohio State wiped the floor with Indiana, uh, but Michael, uh, they, they were without their QB1, and I'm not saying that Ohio State luckily won the game because of that, but I'm just saying, like, they wasn't the same Indiana team that just went out there and took Michigan State to the edge on the road, a, a team that uh, I, I, among many, thought had uh, arguably the best defense in the Big Ten, Indiana with a bunch of quick passes and their athletic playmakers at receiver and have a Phoenix back, they were able to move the ball, get points. And, and uh, now you look at Ohio state and they have better personnel. I mean, Indiana has some guys that can make things happen out on the perimeter, but I mean, Ohio state's got a bunch of NFL guys and some of the best receivers in the big 10 on the perimeter. Uh, they have Justin Fields who you text me a couple times a week uh, continues to climb mock NFL draft boards into the conversation of being number one overall. I really think Ohio State has a chance to put another big number up, uh, but we know Mark D'Antonio and his staff, are, they're coaching their guys too. They're going to make some adjustments from that Indiana game. Um, I don't know if uh, Ohio State covers, but I 21, I, I think there's a chance uh, coming off the Indiana game. We'll see how Michigan State, uh, you know, shores some things up. I just uh, Michigan State—they've been inconsistent on offense. They've have have had a couple thirty-point games, but man, I mean, they they scored one touchdown against Arizona State. I know they missed some field goals in that ball game, but um, th- there's times where their offense doesn't show up, and the way Ohio State's playing on defense right now—it's unbelievable, uh, led by Chase Young. Um, so, and and, and Okuda, all those guys—it's. Uh, Michigan State's got their hands full. I think Penn State is really the only team that I can say for sure can give Ohio State hell right now from a talent standpoint. Uh, Penn State's got a deep, talented, but young defense. They got some guys that can run at the offensive skill. They got a deep running back room, solid offensive line. Sean Clifford, uh, I want to see him play well against a, a, a team like Ohio State, of course, but he's flashed at times. So Penn State is the one that I point to right now and say, um, that's the, that's the one that uh, I think can give Ohio State the most problems. Maybe Wisconsin too, um, um, but I, I, I wonder. Um, you know, we'll see what what their defense can do against a team like Ohio State as well down the road. I would not be surprised if this game was twenty-one nothing going into the second quarter. I don't see how Michigan State's going to score. If this was a day game and there was maybe a lack of juice in the stadium or something, I think they may have a better chance. But a night game with the Buckeyes as pumped as they've been, the defense kind of being ready to put on a show. I think Brian Lewerke is going to get to know Chase Young quite well. Michigan State's offensive line is racked by injuries. The last thing you want to do is go up against the Buckeyes in a situation like this. But we will enjoy it. It's a huge recruiting weekend, people. Don't forget, it starts tomorrow with the commitment of Jacoby Callen, hopefully to the good guys, and then a power-packed weekend of visits of all kinds. Bill Green, Bill Curlick, Steve Wolfong will be all over it. Keep it locked in here, Bucknutters. Have a good one. Take care, y'all. See you on the front row.